Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Hey, Tom. Hey, Jay. How you feeling? I'm doing all right. Uh, a little stuffy, but you know, that's winter and uh, I was around kids all weekend. So it was pretty inevitable that, I mean, I have my own kids, but I was around a lot of other kids too. So it was pretty uh, much guaranteed I was going to get sick. Yep. Veritable Petri dishes that they are. Yes, they are. Um, but all good uh, other than that. So how are you doing well? Yeah, I'm getting over my own set of, uh, you know, ailments. But yeah, you know, like you said, it's, it's, it's winter in the Midwest. What are we going to do? Yeah, and I guess we're, it's also uh, two guys in their 40s who are now dealing with seemingly uh, ailments more frequently than we used to. But in this any event, uh, we're, we're plowing forward and, and, uh, and recording another podcast episode. So we got to be grateful for that. Um, so, Tom, we've got a great guest today. Rob Montgomery is our guest. Um, Rob is the founder of Robert H. Montgomery III um, Esquire PC, which is a leading boutique law firm focusing on counseling healthcare clients, particularly dentists and veterinarians, in a full range of business and legal matters affecting their practices. Rob and his practice are located in Philadelphia. And interestingly, and, and one of the topics we're going to talk to Rob about today, among other things, is the fact that he is the co-founder and co-host of the Dental Amigos podcast, which um, is a really great podcast. And, and we'll link up to that in the show notes, as well as all of the other uh, relevant information about Rob and his, and his practice. But Rob, we're delighted to have you on. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's uh, fun to be on the, the other side of the, uh, the podcasting mic uh, for a change. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, it's it. Both sides of it are, are interesting. Been on both sides of it as well, and uh, and it is nice sometimes to to be asked questions rather than asking them. So, um, so here we go. I'll dive right in, and we'll get started. Um, so, one of the reasons that I, I really wanted to talk to you today was uh, the fact that you exemplify a lot of the characteristics and have taken a lot of the steps that we often advise our clients about in our in our consulting practice, which is um, particularly having a relatively narrow focus to your practice. Um, we, we think that, especially when it comes to, I think individual lawyers, regardless of what firm they're at, anyone that wants to build a practice, and especially small law firms, um, it's, it's very important for them to have clear, uh, narrowly focused positioning. And I think there's several reasons for that. And by, and by positioning, we mean you know, knowing what you do and who you do it for and making that clear to the marketplace. Um, it, it helps accomplish several things, such as helping to reduce or eliminate the competition and, and, limit, and, and limit the number of available substitutes to your expertise. So I wanted to talk about that because I think you, know, you, you and your practice are a good example of that. Um, so can you talk to us a little bit about how you, what, what, are, what is sort of the niche focus to your practice and, and how did you land upon that? Okay. Well, we represent almost predominantly dentists. Say probably about 85 or 90 percent of our practice is representing dentists. Uh, the other 10 percent or so, and that's becoming a growing number, are veterinarians. Uh, but both of those healthcare uh, fields and those uh, those individuals uh, are doing the same kind of thing in our world. So we're helping with practice acquisitions, uh, practice sales, buy-ins, partnerships, lease reviews and negotiations for startups, uh, employment agreements preparing them for practices, reviewing them, and counseling younger uh, associates on, uh, on agreements, 
basically all of the business things, the non-litigation, I should say, business things that come up in uh, in the world of a, a dentist or a veterinarian. Um, I started off, uh, I've been practicing for 25 years. I've had my own practice for 23. And for as long as I've been a lawyer, uh, I've represented dentists in some capacity or another. And I was fortunate enough when I was an associate uh, before I had my practice to uh, work with a client who at the time had 12 uh, dental offices as part of their their practice group, did a lot of work for that client. And after I went out on my own, they came with me. And um, over time, I did more and more work for them. And then people left them and started similar ventures and I did some work for them. And then, so really earlier on, the dental was a very big part of my practice, but not to the same extent that it is now. And then what happened in, I guess, probably uh, 10 or so years ago, uh, the some of these clients that I had were large clients, sold their practices to uh, private equity groups, DSOs, you know, corporate money. And uh, as that was happening, um, I started representing individual dentists who were doing one-off deals. So I was lucky that as I lost a very large chunk of my overall business to these large clients, I was able to kind of move on and change our uh, the audience and the type of, of, of clients in the space that we, we represent. And then uh, really over the last few years, the the veterinarian aspect of our practice has grown and it's becoming increasingly so. And I think probably, you know, within the next couple of years, we might get to the point where the vets are, you know, 30 to 40 percent of of what we do. And we were able to get into that space. There are a lot of similarities in the deals uh, and some of the same people that service both of those uh, those healthcare professions, so lenders, realtors, a lot of the places where we get uh, referrals have a foot in both of those worlds. And so um, we were able to sort of transition into that and meet some people and start doing the networking thing uh, with vets that we've always done successfully with dentists. And uh, that's where we are today. Yeah. And from a from a marketing and business development standpoint, primarily, uh, I'm interested in, in hearing more about this. What are what are some of the benefits of having more of a narrow focus on a, a couple of different industries? Um, do, do you do you find that it's easier to market uh, your practice as a result of having that narrow focus? I do, um, and in a lot of ways, and some of them may not be intuitive. I mean, I I don't really feel like what I do is marketing. Um, you know, I never marketed it you know, years ago as I was growing my practice. I've just relied on word of mouth for the most part. You know, we had kind of a, a shabby website in the early days. Our new website with the, the URL, yourdentallawyer.com and yourvetlawyer.com is really something that came in with, within the last few years. But we don't actually do any kind of ad campaigns uh, we don't really spend money on advertising besides just, you know, essentially having the website, which is kind of what I would consider to be like the, another front door to your office these days. But what we do, I think, is more, uh, less marketing and maybe just more networking. So when uh, we support other people that are in the industry, speak at their events, 
We do a lot with continuing education seminars, obviously the podcast that we'll talk about. But we don't do advertising per se. And I will tell you, even the the, uh, the MailChimp and the constant contact stuff that we do is, is somewhat lame. and I, We need to do better with it, but we've got enough work and probably that we could, as much as we could probably hope to have at this point. So it hasn't been a uh, the number one focus yet. But really, the... The, the good part about that is just once you plug into a, a small community of other kind of like-minded people that are servicing the same industry, it's just easy to build those referral networks. And that also adds value to what you're able to deliver to, to your client. You know, the, the ability to say, okay, you need a good CPA or you need to know who you should be talking to for this practice acquisition loan, or you need help finding uh, office space. You should be speaking to this healthcare-specific realtor. Like we know who the good people are in that industry, so we're kind of able to to work with the people that we choose to work with, who do great work for the same uh, you know, client population. And because of that, you know, it's sort of uh, it, it, the referrals are very easy to make both ways and it's easy to, to develop the business. And and I think the other thing that's that's a good part about the, the narrow focus is for younger lawyers in the firm, it's it's really easier for them to get up to speed and uh, have expertise in certain discrete areas of practice faster because they may do 30 or 40 employment agreements or work on whatever 20 dental practice deals in you know six to nine months and like after you do stuff enough as you guys know like you know what you're doing and you know you know how to talk the talk and so it's easier to really project that with with clients because you can develop expertise so much faster in that in that narrow practice area absolutely yeah and um, speaking of additional front doors that you've opened, so you mentioned your website is kind of being a front door and, and maybe the following isn't necessarily what you would consider business development, but your podcast, which I want to talk about next, which is uh, an amusing name to it, Dental Amigos. Uh, I grew up uh-huh. in a dental household. My dad was a dentist, so I guess okay. I could be conceivably regarded as a dental amigo myself. Um, honorary, yes. Yeah, honorary, yes, exactly. He he told me not to pursue the dental profession for whatever <laughs> that's worth, but um, I'm sure he didn't um, suggest that I go into marketing either. But here I am. So, but w- relative to your podcast, I'm interested in learning more about it. And then s- specifically, you know, maybe you can share with our listeners, you know, a little bit about what it is and, and who you co-host with. But I'm specifically interested in and in what role you feel like that podcast has played in building your practice because I, I'm assuming you don't regard it as a marketing initiative, but I bet it has had some of those benefits. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, so the Dental Amigos is the name of the podcast. I do it with a, uh, uh, a friend, client, dentist, uh, buddy of mine, uh, Dr. Paul Goodman. And um, Paul and I have known each other, I think, for like 11 or 12 years, maybe a little longer. And he also lives in, in Philadelphia. 
Paul is a very interesting uh, guy in, from a marketing uh, standpoint, too, that he does practice consulting in addition to being a, a chairside dentist and does some brokerage and does a lot of continuing education programs for dentists. But one of the neat things that he does is he has a, uh, a Facebook group that he's the moderator of called The Dental Nachos. And uh, it's a Facebook group that, you know, as the name Nachos uh, suggests, it's really a little bit of everything, kind of like a nacho plate. So on that Facebook group, people are posting about uh, clinical questions and issues, questions about you know, seeking uh, employment, uh, where the best place is to do a startup. Uh, they're asking for uh, referrals for different uh professionals or consultants. It's really all the business and clinical stuff that comes up in the dentist's world. And uh, I think there are approximately 22,000 members of that Facebook group. Um, so it's a large group, but in addition to being that large, it's very high engagement from a, um, a Facebook uh, analytical uh, standpoint, uh, because a lot of the people, I guess a lot of Facebook groups have whatever number of participants, but this one's a very high engagement. So, um, so that being dental nachos, we uh, said, you know, it would be fun if we did a podcast because Paul and I would find ourselves going to seminars, riding in the back of an Uber, you know, we got a half hour to kill and we're talking about issues that we've seen come up in deals or uh, problems that are, you know, the industry faces or ways to solve different, uh, different problems and good people to work with. And, uh, he said, you know, we should really record this, you know, cause this is really good content. You know, it's just two guys talking about stuff that is important to dentists. And Paul is a very big proponent of, uh, educating dentists in the things that they don't learn in dental school. Uh, so kind of like lawyers, you know, we come out of law school and, you know, really aren't able to do anything until somebody has trained us. Dentists are kind of in the same boat, especially when it comes to business issues. So um, with that passion, we said, well, you know, it would be great if these conversations are something that we could record and and share with, with our clients and our contacts and just people that we know in the industry. So we started it for that reason alone. And uh, the dental world has a lot of podcasts. Uh, there's certainly well over 100. I think as of a year ago, there was like 110. Um, so there are a lot of people out there doing this. And it just seemed like it would be fun. You know, I get together with my buddy. And sometimes uh, it's just he and I talking about different issues with how to work with a broker, things that you should be careful about if you're uh, hiring an associate, uh, problems and things to avoid when purchasing a practice. And you know, we'll talk about things like that. Uh, oftentimes we'll get guests on um, who are other industry leaders uh, to come on and talk about real estate issues, marketing issues, um, different ways to help uh, improve the practice. Sometimes we'll have other dentists on who could talk about they may have a unique business model and just expose uh, those ideas to people. And we try to do it in a way that's fun. Um, and it's taken me a while as a lawyer to really stop presenting things like a lawyer does. So, you know, uh, whether it's giving a seminar at a continuing education uh, program to a dentist or doing the podcast, try to make things a little more fun and interesting to listen to um, because obviously people are riding in their car. This is their free time. They want to learn uh, some information or they want to, you know, kind of be apprised of things that, that they weren't aware of, but they also 
aren't sitting in a lecture hall either and want to be kind of be beaten over the head with stuff. So we try to keep it pretty light, uh, but then also provide some things for them to take away and consider implementing in, in their practice or in their, uh, their professional lives. Rob, a couple questions here about the uh, follow-up questions about the podcast. Uh, are there any, uh, I guess I'm, I'm curious as to, you've, you've, you've done over 60 episodes, is that right? Yeah, I think we're up to like, because we used to do like a part one and part two in the earlier days. So I think now, yeah, it's like 65-ish or so. Yeah, Yeah. Um, I guess. So first off, have you found, and I don't know how much, you know, other types of thought leadership you've done in the past in terms of like writing articles or that kind of thing. Uh, in terms of putting out podcast episodes, do you find that to be something that you can pretty manageably fit into your schedule? Yeah, I do. But it's just like anything, you know, it takes time. You know, you have to kind of arrange for the guests and kind of set up things and kind of go over, you know, the procedure, make sure that the editing gets done, the show notes get done. We have people that help us with all that stuff, but it does take time. But, you know, I used to do a lot of uh, what they call in the dental world, lunch and learns, where you would go and speak to a group of residents that, and buy them pizza or, you know, fourth year, third and fourth year dental students and give a lecture about employment agreements. You know, with that stuff, you, you have to leave the office. You're gone for at least a half a day, if not longer. And, you know, by the time you go through all the logistics of figuring out where lunch is going to come from and all the other stuff and getting it delivered and giving the presentation, you know, that eats up a whole lot more time than going into the studio and pressing let's record and dial the phone and do our thing. Um, so it, it takes time just like anything, but... Um, I find it to be a lot less time consuming than just about any other marketing endeavor, you know, and again, I don't really look at it as marketing, but if we're going to look at it and you know, kind of consider it as being marketing, uh, it, it's not a time consuming thing at all. Yeah. Yeah. We, I, I agree. It, it, it tends to be in our experience. We do a lot of writing as well, but it tends to, it tends to uh, be more efficient form of, of thought leadership than, than some other things. Um, and then, well, you know what too, though, I think what, like, you guys are similar to what you know, Paul and I do too. It's a lot easier when you have two people. I mean, I know that there are podcasts out there where somebody comes on every week or whatever, and sometimes they have guests and sometimes they solo. Yeah. And, yeah, man, I can't imagine that. And that's a whole different level of preparation. Uh, when you have two guys that are kind of, you know, shooting the breeze and feeding off each other. I mean, we, we do practically zero preparation for, for the shows with the guests. I mean, maybe yes. 10 minutes tops because uh, you just interview people. It's like, it's like taking a deposition almost for, for lawyers, right? Right. And Jay, kind of go, Jay go does – yeah, sorry. I was just going to say Jay does often say he would be lost without me, so uh, <laughs> right on. See? Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, absolutely, Tom. You, not, you, got, you got it. Yeah, no, those, <laughs> those solo episodes, like the Seth Godin Akimbo podcast where he puts out 30 minutes of solo content every week, that's uh, it's crazy. Um, and it's job. so good, but, but of course yeah. he's a, you know, he's brilliant and he can do it. But, um, another follow-up question on the podcast, can you point to any, uh, just, just for the benefit of our listeners who might be considering a podcast, but maybe are slightly skeptical or apprehensive about, you know, diving into something like that, I guess, what are some of the benefits that you've realized whether those have been like new relationships or possibly generating speaking opportunities or, you know, specific new business opportunities as a result of it? Yeah, I, I think there are lots. I mean, the, the ability to host people on your show who are other, you know, 
uh, thought leaders that have their own podcasts. It's nice to do that reciprocal thing, uh, which gives you exposure to larger audiences, and you just meet more uh, more people that are marketing seemingly to the the same segment that that you are. Um, I mean, I think it it it, it builds a uh, a lot of uh, a lot of opportunities, and it's just a good way to you know really just get your name out there. And I think to a large extent too. It really depends on the type of clients that you're trying to you know, trying to seek, you know, and really what the demographic is. If you're trying to attract, you know, I hate to use the millennial word, but you know, that's basically what we're talking about. Um, this is how you reach that audience. You know, um, I know more and more like older dentists are, are listening to, to podcasts, but you know the the population of that is really you know, relies on this to get their information is uh, you know is, is is really important to keep in mind. I mean, one of the reasons why you know Paul and I start doing the podcast too, in addition to the fact we said, hey, we just got to turn the mic on. There's a uh, a uh, a practice consultant, a startup practice consultant named uh, Jamie Amos from Ideal Practices. They do startup dental practice consulting around the country. We do a lot of work with their with their clients. And uh, Jamie started doing a uh, a podcast. And you know, it's it's really you realize I'm sitting at an event that he sponsored that I spoke at you know years ago, and we're at a uh, at a lunch. Before I guess during this you know two day seminar about startup dental practices, and um, I'm at a table with I guess probably like eight other dentists. Every dentist was going around kind of talking about what podcast they listen to and when they listen to these podcasts, and they sort of saying, "Hey, I haven't heard of that one. Do you listen to this one? Yeah, that one's good. If you like that, you'd like this." I'm thinking this is crazy. This is how all of these people get their information. You know, nobody really in this population, they don't listen to the radio when they're driving to work or they're walking home, um, you know, or if they've got some free time and they're, you know, it's, it's all about listening to podcasts. So there is a segment of the population that just really relies on this content for sort of their entertainment and their, their professional development. And, uh, you know, it's just like anything else. You know, you got to, if you're going to go fishing, you got to go, you know, drop your line in the stream where there are fish, you know, and if you're trying to do some other marketing or meet clients at a place other than where they are, then you're probably going to be you know, banging your head against the wall. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, I, you know, I like to equate podcasting. I think of it as sort of the modern day um what we used to know as AM talk radio, where you, you're in a car or in a commute or something, and um, some people will listen to music. Other people just want to um, digest information, and they want to hear voices in discussions. So I think you're right. That's where people go now as podcasts. So last question for me um, before we let you go is, so somebody who is 60-plus episodes into a podcast, could you – think about either when you started or how far you've come and offer one or two tips for somebody else who is just now considering starting a podcast. So either tips about uh, what to, to think about in starting a podcast or thinking more long-term tips about how to make sure that that podcast is successful as yours is. Yeah. I mean, I like the idea of, of doing it with a partner as we just talked about. I think that that takes a lot of the, uh, of the pressure and the, and the preparation off, uh, off of you, which that just goes to time. I mean, if you're running a law practice or a practicing lawyer, 
um, the difference between a an eight-hour weekly activity and a two-hour weekly activity could be the difference between doing it and not doing it. Um, I think that that's good. I think that it's also um, important to try to find industry leaders that you know that your audience wants to hear from. Uh, it helps you to meet those people. It helps you to support those people so that hopefully you, know, you build a relationship with them. But then this is the content that you're bringing your people and your audience. You, know, these are, you have to give them something that they want to hear that's meaningful. I mean, the, the days of like kind of selling things and trying to monetize you know, every piece of content that, that we have is, is just long gone. Like if you want to be relevant and in position as a, as a thought leader in whatever industry, because that's how clients hire you. They respect you and feel like you're, you have the expertise. You really need to invest in that, you know, and, and, you know, if you don't, then, you know, it just doesn't come off as being genuine. Rob, thank you for that. And I think that's a great place to, to wrap things up for today. So, um, I think, a lot of valuable tips for our audience, and I think that they can um, draw a lot of insight from uh, what you had to say in terms of some of their own marketing or thought leadership initiatives that they're that they're engaging in. So, um, Rob, again, thank you for joining us. I encourage all of our listeners to check out the Dental Amigos podcast, particularly if you're a lawyer who's thinking of starting a podcast. I think I think Rob's um, platform that he's built uh, is is something to aspire to, and and you'll learn a lot from the way that the professional way in which they do their show. Um, and also, if you want to check out his website, um, yourdentallawyer.com or yourvetlawyer.com, just to see how he positions his practice towards specific industry segments. So, um, Rob, again, appreciate your time and thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.